Hello, 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 everyone. Happy New Year. It's 2021. Can you imagine this is like the first episode back? And um, you're probably wondering, wait, who just said Happy New Year? That doesn't sound like... That doesn't sound like... Who who is that? Well, um, in honor, in lieu of Black History Month, but not even that, um, just because I've wanted to have this individual on in rehearsal for for some time. Um, I have the intellectual, illuminating, exciting <laughs> wow. individual. Um, she doesn't necessarily identify as an artist, even though she's all things excellent when it comes to creativity. Janine Morgan. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> Welcome to In Rehearsal. Hello, everyone. I am Misha Maseka, your host, and the golden vase to my... Across the, the valley of internet, if you will, <laughs> is... Janine Morgan. Hi. Hi. You want to say hi to the peeps, Janine? Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I've always, you know, longtime listener, first time caller, as they say. It's great to be here. <laughs> I love that. It's great to that you are here, even though we're not like here in person. But um, it's cool to have you on. This is very exciting. Um, so, who we have on the show today? is Sushane Tsomondo, who is a curator, a writer, a literary genius. Genius being the top word there. Yeah, honestly, she's um she's fantastic and we're going to get we're diving into into literature and she is the founder of the online literary platform Sue Stokfell. Um, which is kind of which started as an online book club or started as a book club and then turned into an online platform um, where she highlights, uh, you know, authors of color. And um, it's a great little it's a great little a great little time. Are you much of a reader? First of all, it's totally fine if you're not. No judgment. Not so much. right? Um, I'm more of a listener than I am a reader, but I have been working through a book. But, you know, I'm still a student if that helps. So I don't get through right. books quite often. Right. Okay, so then maybe I should say expanding it from literature to sort of like encompassing uh, plays and movies and TV. Who would be like your favorite creator of color right now in this moment, in this February 2021? I don't know if I have one. Okay, when I think of creator, the first one that comes to mind um, is Issa Rae. And I was go- I was going to guess that I was going to be like, is it Issa? <laughs> and okay, in my defense, when I was in high school, she had the show Awkward Black Girl on or Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl on YouTube. There's a book. There's a so she's my favorite author. Then <laughs> I need to read that book. Yeah, yeah, that was my favorite. Um, my favorite video series. I would like quote it all the time, and no one would know what I was talking about except for my few friends. But it was great. Yeah, it's interesting. How do you feel about Black History Month, sort of as a as a month? What are your What are your thoughts? You want to sound off on that a little? My thoughts as a month, Black History. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Like, I think about it as like being a Black educator and what that means and how I'm able to like um, celebrate Black History and and like celebrate it in the sense of like not just talking about um, our like, I want to celebrate the, like, positives, and especially for, like, the grade I'm teaching right now, um, I want them to know that, like, black history isn't just, like, 
what happened in the past. Obviously, like, that's very important, but I want them to think about Black history as, like, they are a part of Black history and what that means for them and, like, even just, like, inspiring the young Black students in my classroom and school to um, aim high and do great things and show them the Black people in the past who have done great things and, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally does, yeah, and I, and I do think that it's, like, Eventually, hopefully in our lifetime, there will be more of a collective understanding globally that like black history is history, it's world history, right? Yeah. And and I mean, it makes sense because of the way that the the West, specifically the European West, which I guess is the West, um, has taught history, right? Like history is always taught from the from the uh, voice of the quote unquote conquerors and. Yeah. For so long, obviously, um, they've it's been their narrative of being like, oh, yes, this happened, this happened, and then this happened. And it's like, well, no, before slavery, before colonialism, like people exactly. were out here. Um, so like, what is black history? It's just history. It's world history. Right. Like we all all of us, black people, Asian people, um, you know, white people, you know, people indigenous to the Americas, we all contributed to. Yeah, like to, our history, um, history. Yeah, our history didn't start at slavery. You know, there's a past before that. And let's let's get into the into the episode. You guys are gonna love it. Without further ado, here is Sue Tsamondo. What is good literature? As the world has opened up, celebrating and revealing multiple types of stories and ways to tell them, is that question still relevant today? Can we still put a measure on the quality of art? For centuries, art and its highest quality has been Western culture facing. One can credit this to colonialism and slavery, and thankfully now in the age of information and having access to more context in history, the danger of a single story is not looming over us as much. Sushane Somondo is the founder and curator of online literature platform Suze Stockfell. This started as a book club and formed into an online platform showcasing authors of color from all over the world. Moving to Canada in 2014 for university, Sushane began the journey of decolonizing her reading list upon moving to Calgary and realizing the huge disconnect and erasure of her culture in celebrated mainstream literature. And I remember I was so lonely. I was incredibly lonely. I remember one of the first things someone said to me was, you speak such good English. So, you know, it's the usual. But I remember not thinking that that could happened to me I guess um and so I was like I want to be as black as possible like I'm obviously I'm obviously not seen as one of them and so the only place where I can be rooted is in my own practices in my own culture because no matter how hard I try no matter how good my English is I'm I'm never going to be white Canadian that's just never going to be my reality right and so I just kind of was like this was my safe space to be like now I'm kind of rejecting all these things because when I was younger I had assimilated into those things because I thought that they would make me better or more appealing Mm -hmm. or I was worthy of more because I I spoke good English and that sort of stuff and suddenly you know I was kind of like the good negro and then suddenly you realize you're a good negro but you'll never be good enough. Right. And so I might as well just be 
a Negro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was that was kind of how I started reading. And I remember I was just like, who are the African writers? I had never read Chinua Chebe. Mm. I knew of him. Like things fall apart, right? Things fall apart, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I researched and I only came to know Zimbabwe's most famous writer after searching on the internet for him. Like this is not someone who is in bookstores in Zimbabwe. Um, And so Nambuzomare Chera. And so I bought House of Hunger, which was his... um, debut uh, novel and I read that and there's this there's one of my favorite quotes in that in that in that book um, where he says um, the underwear of our souls were full of holes and the crotchet hid was infested with lice um, and Ooh. something about the syphilis of the white man's coming and I remember Yikes. that yeah and I remember I, I I read that line and I and I remember thinking about how you know really just how ravaging colonization had been right and so i wanted so much to to just reverse that i think i was very i was almost ashamed that i that i had looked on my culture or certain practices and in the way that i had before so i really just started reading and it brought me closer to home because i wasn't home anymore and suddenly you know he's referring to places that i know and familiar with so that was really comforting for me with reading fiction um I like realistic fiction, so that's kind of what I'm drawn to. I want to be able, I want to be able to feel like if I, for example, I was reading *The Memory of Love* by Aminata Forna, and it's set in Sierra Leone. And I remember thinking, I I almost believe that if I went to Sierra Leone today, I could get off that plane and find um, one of the characters mm. because they feel so well placed. Um, the story is even if it's 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 a combination of people's different stories about the post-civil war era in Sierra Leone the way in which she has combined those stories into these characters is so good that I feel that these people exist and so for me if I'm reading I want to be able to feel like I'm now seeing people who are outside of my line of sight so for example you know I wasn't I'm not Sierra Leonean and I did not experience the post-civil war era in the, in that country but if i read a good book i want to feel that i can i those people have become visible to me mm. and that their stories they're real to me yeah so that's a, to me that's a that's a good book for many children of the african diaspora the discovery of artistic practice comes in adulthood because growing up you don't get exploration of creativity or hobbies you get education And yet, upon adulthood, many realize that the creativity they finally get to express is a long-standing inheritance, practiced by their parents too. As the diaspora in the West has taken this inheritance and monetized it, there is still the question of why our parents didn't. What was the difference in practicing art? Is it cultural? Is it historical? Sushane speaks on discovering her parents being creative people with her father involved in poetry and her mother involved in music. I think with my dad, he would have pursued poetry if he hadn't. So my dad had went to um, fought in the independence war Mm. um, for Zimbabwe and he left high school uh, to fight in the war. And so he wrote poetry as a way, as a means to, to understand his experience. Wow. Um, 
and write about other things too, like love and, and all these other things. But he wrote very much about like this anger. He had this very deep anger when he came back, um, which is in his poetry because we've never, I never had these conversations with my dad. Right. He passed away when I was um, three or four. Um, and so we never had these conversations, but it was there in the poetry. And so I think um, for my, for both my parents, it was a means to cope with the world. Whereas for me, it's a means to exist. Ooh which is very different like this is my say that again for the people in the back i don't even wow. know because it just it just came to I don't, I, wait what did i just say Ciao. no keep on going sorry <laughs> yeah so i i was saying yeah i think it was a means for my for my parents to cope with the world um whereas for me it's just it's 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 like breathing to me it's it's the way in which that i have to you know exist in the world that's that's the entirety of my of my of my personality, my character, my, my purpose. It's not, you know, I'm not using it to cope. It is who I am. So I think the monetizing part is that the ability to be able to to exist, right? Because if, if it's something that I consider a lifeline, I have to dedicate a lot of time to it. Otherwise, you know, if I'm splitting my time trying to do other things, um, it's just it just doesn't work for me doesn't work in the same way I think it worked for my parents so I think it's it's mostly because of, of the nature of the gift for them it was they were given a gift to help cope and some people are given a gift to to you know to sort of that is their purpose their life's purpose mm-hmm. and so I think it's it's more so determining determining where you're at in that in that spectrum or, or whatever yeah whether this is because I think there are a lot of other talented people who are just like you know they maybe they they sing in church and that's 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 the extent of it yeah um, and that's good enough for them and that's beautiful um, but then there's some people who are like I, I this is my life's purpose and so I think to me that's the difference between my parents and I it's not so much about yeah I, I think I'm not monetizing it because I um like are trying to capitalize capitalize yeah. but it's because this is my life's purpose what is the power of words a simple question with simple answers they can heal they can hurt they can educate and instruct and tear down and build up so Shane talks about the power of literature in her life and her dealings with creating during suffering and grief. Um, I think it brings people back to life. Um, for me, as someone who's like lost people that I love, um, I think it, it, it. I think that I see myself. You know, I you know I read because I want to see things that are not in my line of sight. Like mm-hmm. there's certain experiences that I'll never have in life. But when I read, you know, to me it's the ultimate act of empathy to, to read and to learn people. Um, because you can't love people without taking the time to learn them, right? And so sometimes with reading, I feel like I'm visible to myself because a lot of times there are these very personal and painful experiences that you experience alone, and suddenly there's a story about it, and Mm -hmm. so I feel visible even to myself. Um, And I think that's that's one of the ways that, to me, literature makes me feel less alone. Um, And also, I think... It helps me. It helps me remember. I, I because a lot of what I'm writing is always for memory. I'm not. I'm not a futuristic writer, so I write purely based on, on memory or imagined memories. Um, so I do a lot of writing based on imagined memories. So I, I love reading stories about. Um, you know, I. 
I reimagine certain experiences. Put them into words. I, I, I take them outside of myself. And so they're no longer like bigger than me. I don't know if that makes sense. Like it doesn't consume me as mm -hmm. much when, when, I, when I process that enough to write about it or reimagine it, to add character to it, um, to make it more complex, to, to be more compassionate about maybe certain characters who are real in my life now that I write them in, in other stories. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I don't feel consumed by my circumstances. I, I, I understand them. Mm -hmm. So right after my mom passed away, I didn't write. I, I call that like I call that my years of silence. Mm. I, I had nothing to say. I was like, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm, I'm shocked. Um, and so I think it, it hindered in that way that sometimes there, there are no words. Um, but in some ways, it, it has helped me you know, it's a lifeline in the sense that I, I get to express some things that I think are very difficult for me to say in just like normal, you know, situations. Um, there are questions that I don't, that I can't answer. Um, but it seems that in writing, they just seem to, to come easily. Literature has, has made me visible to myself because I think there are a lot of like personal painful experiences that sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, people don't really understand this, but suddenly, you know, you read a book and there's a character that you relate to and suddenly, you, you know, you feel seen. Um, and so that's been very important for me um, to feel less alone. The notion of the suffering artist, I almost think I, I've kind of just taken it as like this is... I'm I'm sort of this is the the cost of 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 being young gifted and black. <laughs> we all just suffer. Yeah, and, and I think that's an aspect of it. I think I think um with with um too much is given, much is expected. Hmm. And I and I've always felt like I couldn't use my gift unless I had something like I wouldn't have anything to say unless I had gone through certain things. Not that I I want those things to have happened, but it's I I feel like it's it's kind of like Western, some of these, you know, white writers. It's like, I think, you know, there's a someone tweeted that a white writer sent them a message saying, oh, they're probably not going to get nominated for their book because um, right. diversity or something. Yeah. And I remember thinking it's, you know, there's such a wealth of experience in, in being black that just like walking for coffee and like, I don't know, dating a Joe is not is not it, it it doesn't it doesn't compare in complexity and 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 you know in in that so yeah. I I feel like it's not so much and that story has been told the story has been told exactly Tell something a little bit more interesting exactly and yeah. whereas I feel like there's so much more complexity in in in, in our experiences because of the way the world is um, right and and they haven't been heard right There are years that ask questions and years that answer. Zora Neale Hurston. When it comes to achievements, Sushane seems to be collecting them one after the other, and still, there is a humility and patience in her claiming them. So, what years is she in right now? I, I almost feel like there's this, like, there's this sort of voice that is saying, like, you don't know enough yet mm. and so the greatest thing couldn't have ever happened because you haven't even lived you haven't even lived like this is you know you're just 
you're watching, you're an observer. Great things are happening around you, but you're not one of them. <laughs> I'm joking. Wow. No, no, but I'm saying I just, I, I'm, 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 I'm learning. And so great things are happening around me and I'm observing. And that is, that is beautiful in its own way, but it is not, you know, there's, it's not the destination. And so. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see myself as having, and some of the things that I, I think I've, I've like achieved in terms of like, um, like working with Sled Island and those things, I think my personal goals for myself are very different from, um, what may appear to be an achievement. I think for a lot of people, you know, I, you know, I was interviewed by the Calgary Journal like the other day, you know, like, and these are exciting things and I'm very grateful for that. But as, as an artist, to me, they're, that's not my, um, that's not why you wake up in the morning. Yeah. That's not why I, I don't wake up, um, in, in the sense of, of, of what, what it would mean for me to, to achieve something. I don't think it would ever happen with me speaking. And I've been doing a lot of talking recently, mm. right? Talking about this work. But to me, that's, that could never count as one of my achievements. Like if I was interviewed by Oprah, I wouldn't be like, that's my achievement. I think it would be whatever I wrote that was worth having a conversation about. That would be the achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do words mean a lot to you? Yes. Language means a lot to me. Um, English, not so much. But language is important to me. I, I think English, I, I, I never realized how limiting English was until I moved here and it's the only language I could, like that most people around me understand that I interact with most people. Mm-hmm. You know, we use English. Now I'm just realizing the limitation of it. Even, especially when it came to grief, that's when I was like, I have no, the words are there. I just but don't have them in English. I just don't have them in English. Wow. And it was like, I think to me that has been one of the the biggest things. Like, I don't know, like Oliver Mtukudzi, who's a Zimbabwean musician. He was a Zimbabwean musician. He passed away. Um, and he sang a lot about grief because he lost most of his band to AIDS. Um, you know, right at, at that period, like ha- his entire band. Um, and so he wrote a lot about grief. And then he lost his son when his son was only 22. And his son was a talented musician as well. Um, and so I, I remember just being like, there's so much language to express this pain. Um, and I think that's when I, I also realized that there's a great capacity for love and that there's a great existence of love within our communities that I had mm-hmm. never appreciated before. The way in which we grieve people, the way we describe right. that grief, you know, because, you know, when I was reading all these, like watching these Hallmark movies, it felt like, oh, this like a white, you know, Western like family feels so perfect in its own way but suddenly when when I lost my mom the only words that I could find to describe this sort of deep love that I had for my mother I couldn't find in in English right so right because it's not yeah exactly what you said in terms of the familiarity of it Mm -hmm. that's super super powerful Mm -hmm. what are you giving yourself permission to do I think I'm allowing myself to, to to pace myself through reading that's something that I, I, once I started Sue Stockville, you know, people are expecting like me to read like things in like two hours. Um, now I'm, I'm, I'm allowing myself to just, to take time to really just go through it as slowly as I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that this is a, that I'm in a place of learning in my life right now. Yeah. And that I'm young. 
I'm allowing myself to be young. I think that's something that I, I, I was, I was one of those kids who everyone was like, you're so mature for your age. You know, this is, I'm reparenting myself, but also allowing myself to be a child again, um, to not be so grown and, and not, you know, some things don't make sense to me and that's okay. Like I, you don't have the answers way, um, to myself. (laughs) The year 2020 was a reckoning of a lot. We were all forced to sit with ourselves and reevaluate where the power and privilege lies. What were we going to do about it? How were we going to shift the center in art, in entertainment, in everyday life? There was a revival of activism and criticism, cancel culture, and wanting to do the work. And now, in the new year, are people still doing the work? You know, and to me, I remember, you know, during when the protest started um, and someone was like, you know, I'm looking at all my friends who aren't reposting. And I said, you know, I'm not checking for anyone because the proof will be in the pudding. I, I know when I talk to people, when someone is, is reading or engaging with with people on a compassionate level. Like, I don't need you to repost. A, I don't need you to post a black square. I can meet you and we can have a conversation for five minutes. The proof is always in the pudding. And so if people aren't doing the work, it will always, it will always show. Um, but I wish there was more consequences for people not doing the work. Because I think there aren't any consequences. It's like people are okay with, for example, being non-racist as opposed to being anti-racist. But there's no consequences for just being non-racist. Hmm. You know, there's hmm. just no push for it. So I, I, I think there's a lot of valuing. It's even, we were talking about this before we started recording about how buying books and um, and reading books are two different hobbies. Yeah, people love buying books. People love collecting things. People love appearing. Um, and I, and I remember I actually have this huge. Ah, now you got me started. Let's just <laughs> let's just let's just clear the tape and start again. <laughs> I just I'm very frustrated with people. I know this is not just with literacy, but just with everything. I remember I'm someone. <laughs> I you know there are a lot of athleisure brands that are coming up. I remember I was just like guys let's just let go of the biker shorts please like you can't like you need to stop letting these men with fanny packs and like these khaki pants with tackies (laughs) i'm a yeah with tackies well sneakers sneakers for everyone (laughs) yeah to masquerade as creatives like there are a lot of people just masquerading and, and as as all these different things masquerading as activists there are people masquerading as as well-read people there are people who who love these like you know for example someone who's i don't know like frida Kahlo or like basquiat like what do you know about them what have you read about them what research have you done like who are you attaching your name to you know mm. why you're in a you have a photo where you're you know in a museum in in some country i'm just very frustrated with people because i think that makes my work difficult because there are a lot of people who are interested in looking like they're doing the work but it wastes my time wow you know whether i'm like organizing the book club and people are like yeah i totally want to read more like poc authors i'm just like you can totally actually read poc authors like i don't want people to tell me that they want to read things that they want to do things i just feel like I feel like we as even just black women, we deserve better in the way that people engage with our work. Mm-hmm. Like it's very insulting to me when people are like half-assing um, their efforts to 
because our lives depend on this mm. you know what i mean like our how we live our living conditions depend on how people are how willing people are to do the work mm-hmm. and it just feels like everyone's just like masquerading you know everyone has like a photo you know people having photo shoots at these protests like i'm like what are we doing did you support the black woman in the meeting like to me that's more important than a photo op at a protest and it just feels like there's a whole lot of like appearing to be things that we're not and i think we the people who are doing the work like suffer the most when people aren't honest with themselves because we don't all necessarily have to be creatives we can all we can be consumers we can participate because it takes a community and i think mm. it's also the idea of like activists wanting to be famous that we, we we are all playing different parts but also if it depends on your intentions um if you're an ally um and i said this in a class that i and that i spoke in um it was a teen camp for teen writers um and i was saying as an ally a lot of the the reward reward actually will not come back to you if you find yourself reaping the rewards of being an ally you're not an ally Mm. because the rewards shouldn't be coming back to you because you already have a position of privilege so why are you getting like what else are you getting from this Mm -hmm. and it's just and i feel like i wish people were also just like it's okay for us to to give space to other people whether it's in art like you know what i mean if i'm not you know i'm I shouldn't just start DJing just because I think it looks cool. Mm. There are people with talent. Then I can go and watch their shows. You know, I'll bring my friends. It can be whole, you know, black community gathering where we're having fun. And so I think like there's a lot of masquerading, but there's a lot of opportunity for healing and real work to be done that is lost when people are interested in masquerading. What would you tell your 15 year old self? What would I tell my 15 year old self? I would tell her that, um, the system is broken and is some of like I would list the things that are not her fault um whether it's like with like sexual assault um I would also list just like the economic situation in Zimbabwe I went to um a private school like my mom's company paid for my high school tuition to go to this private school so I actually wasn't one of the rich kids um and I remember that being like very embarrassing Hmm. experience for me that entire time and I remember just being like why can like you know and you know in retrospect of course I realized that there's you know there's a lot of corruption and a lot of the people that I was engaging with were you know it wasn't money that was being made legally or in a way that was fair or being distributed well um and so I think I would tell her that like like you shouldn't have any shame i think shame was a huge part and it's still in some ways a huge part of my life but i'm i'm trying to like unpack that because i think i carry a lot of shame just for just for embodying the consequences of like societal ills Mm. but i wasn't the one who caused it yeah i just embody the consequences of it the sin of our forefathers yeah that's beautiful yeah so i would just be like yo it's, it's chill um i would also be like you're talented you're great um everything good will come it hasn't come yet but i'll tell her everything good will come i haven't seen it yet but <laughs> one of us you yes. know 30 year old sushane will join us at the table soon and will tell us that, <laughs> that the good things finally came yeah. but everything good will come that's amazing that's beautiful sushane Thank you so much for sitting down to talk with us. Thank you for having me, Misha and Heather.
This was great. Um, so here we are at Shona. Shona. Janine is actually she's actually a fabulous singer. Um, we met. I don't even remember where we when we. I actually remember our meeting like it was yesterday. It was at a restaurant because we both were going for lunch with Sammy, and he was like, "Was that you guys are friends?" I think so. Uh, there's so many things. I'm. I'm also like Janine is also, but, but this isn't about you. This is. This is not about me. This isn't about this me. Is about- but actually, speaking of the good Negro, um, I thought that that was a really interesting thing, and she that Sushane referenced very, very briefly um, to kind of illustrate, you know, her journey of decolonizing her her um, reading list and her consumption of literature. But like, yeah, Janine, can you sort of like speak to the good Negro? Um, like, it's interchangeable. It really depends on like who you're around who's like asking of you to be a certain way and so but a good negro is just like oh what we think black people should do or like how can they be the model minority how close can they be to whiteness for us to feel comfortable and like happy and still like you know accepting of the diverse person in a in a in a way but also like not in a way of like not seeing color if that makes sense like a good negro isn't is like for people who say like i don't even see color yeah 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 yeah. and i love what what you said about sort of like the the proximity to the proximity to whiteness right in terms of in in mannerism in um speech right um in in terms of even like sushane came here for university and for her to so quickly assimilate her accent yeah uh, yeah, and somebody to comment on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Only having been here, you know, for seven years, it's like that. That already is sort of. I think. I think it's. It's a lot of things of being like, how? How can I conform? How can I assimilate? But, um, what also was really, really great about sort of her reference of that is, uh, uh you know, the realization of being like, yeah, this isn't working because what what about my culture you know in referencing like her zimbabwean culture is bad well it's not right so kind of coming to terms um and 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 uh what's the word i guess reclaiming the beauty and the goodness of her culture um is great is great In all that has happened, let's say in the last like four years, when it comes to specifically the African diaspora of Black people outside of Africa and the Caribbean, um, you know, encompassing basically, you know, the Black diaspora and all that has happened sort of in the conversation around race globally, especially in 2020. But I'm thinking even just back to like, Black Panther, which today we are recording. It's the anniversary of the release of Black Panther, the three-year anniversary. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. The trend of being proud of where you are from. Do you think that that's a trend right now? Like...
stick. Um, but I would also say like one thing to take a little tangent if I may. Um, one thing people always talk about is like even just like Gen Z language or vernacular versus like black language and vernacular, right? And like how um, it's it's our like our culture has always been trendy because people have like taken parts of it and I'm forgetting the word that they use all the time but you know, or appropriate yeah exactly right like it's trendy because it gets appropriated by people who have no idea what they're talking about what they're doing with it you know and then um, and then it becomes part of a trend but I don't know like it doesn't start at, as a trend so if we were looking at the function of it it could be considered trendy but like is that what it was meant to be you know what I mean Mm, yeah yeah I just because I I just think about uh, even in the 90s specifically in specifically in America what ended up happening where there was sort of this like resurgence of um specifically like afrocentrism Afrocentricism, you know, where it's like where people were wearing kente cloth shaped yeah. like, you know, um, decorated kente cloth like decorated hats. And mm-hmm. uh, I know I was just thinking about the hats. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. And there was sort of this like this um, ex- ex- exoticism or exotic. I don't even know what the word is, but like of specifically like African and 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 Caribbean. Cult. Like, I mean, it's interesting because yeah. both of us are part of the diaspora in in very different ways in that like yeah. you um your heritage is from the caribbean and i am continental um <laughs> i'm continental, I am continental. <laughs> you are from the island um the islands and um so even that right like and and sort of there the inter the intersection where we meet or can observe from is this mm-hmm. this intersection of like more so the western black community yeah um pulling from yeah. do you know what i mean like from the caribbean and from, from uh continent. from the continent which i what was my question that? um if with whether it was trendy or not and i think that i wonder if like um western black people i don't know how i would say it but you know what i mean people who would kind of draw influences from the continent and from the islands i wonder if um it seems trendy but like without knowing you know what I mean if like if that's all they had to kind of like go off and celebrate so they like took what they could and made it in a way that works for them you know what I mean yeah no totally totally and it's not even a blame game because this is a whole this is a whole conversation that you know I feel like an entire room full of black people with different (laughs) diasporic experiences needs to have so that everybody can sort of you know have a voice and a, and a, and a way in. Um, but I have sort of noticed that, you know, it, throughout history or recent history, the last f- 50 years where it's like, there's, there's this, this, um, like rhythm, um, or cycle that happens where it's like, oh, all of a sudden, like we like Africa. Again. It's like common for humans to create trends, you know what I mean? And like pick something up and then like, cause we're social beings. We want to like, you know be a part take on that and it gets problematic multiple times in in different areas right but i think like african americans or like african canadians you know people 
the diaspora, they don't have a real, like, they don't have a tie or a lineage to the continent or to the islands that would help them make it less trendy, if you will. Like, for me, like, my family's from the islands, right? I was born here, but because I have, like, a direct link, I don't think the stuff that I do will, won't probably, or maybe not, uh, or maybe, be perceived as trendy compared to somebody or like maybe my children right or my nephew and like how they kind of interact with it might be perceived as trendy because it's more surface level than knowing like where like the roots or the history or like different things come from if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah so it's like yeah. all we have is a fabric how can we make that fabric you know instead of like knowing the history behind or different things even like black is king would you think that is trendy yes and i mean and again what you were sort of saying and being like trendy is that the word or are we sort of more just coming into an acknowledgement and 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 really trying to dig d dig back into the past to to sort of celebrate the present and the future because yeah like black is king is something that for someone who's like continental right like it's just like oh yay but also like ah beyonce come on you know in some ways as well why am i always dragging beyonce on this podcast i love her i really do we love beyonce we really do we love, we love solange we love beyonce tina we love them um their husbands not so much no um but uh yeah like so it's it's one of those things where you're just like this is this is great and thank you for putting it on the mainstream but you know what i think i i think okay this is the question that i think is more so what we're getting at and also i think a little bit of what the essence of like sushane's question was on her journey to decolonizing is like why are we trying to bring it into the quote-unquote mainstream and i understand that it's like well we exist in the west so like of course this is where it is that we're trying to we're, we're we want to highlight and showcase but um you know it, it's that question the question that is the thesis for this entire like podcast yeah right the western um gaze if you will or like looking at it from a western vantage point g-a-z-e not g-a-y right. <laughs> you know love them all <laughs> we love the gay <laughs> um but yeah like how do we um why do we think that in order for it to be, I don't know, a value or, or to be whatever, it has to be from like a Western vantage point, you know what I mean? And so we want to, it seems like we try so hard to bring things into mainstream because of our like, um, our minds not being decolonized enough, you know what I mean? Like, should it be enough that we get to celebrate it over here? Do we need to show it to everybody for it for everyone to kind of appreciate and give accolades for it? You know, yes. that's what I think. Yeah, no, totally. And again, like that totally just brings it back full circle to even like when you think about the stuff that the work that Sushane is doing with Sue Stockfell, <laughs> right? It is a celebration of authors who are not like non-white authors, non-European authors in a way yeah. where she's like, yes these deserve to be in a quote-unquote canon whatever that is they are their own canon looking at the things things um so sujane um is wonderful for those of y'all who don't already follow her go follow her on sue stockfell on the instagram you can check out suestockfell.com all of the information is obviously going to be in the description 
wherever you guys are streaming this. So have fun creeping her. She's amazing. Um, should people follow you? Do you want to know where people? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really like cre- you'll you'll be super underwhelmed if you decided to follow me. I mean, my teacher Twitter is pretty popping. If you care about what the kindergartners are doing, so you can follow us at In Rehearsal Podcast on Instagram, and you know, stream wherever you stream. Whatever yes. this is, because clearly you're streaming and listening, so this is kind of redundant <laughs> for me to be saying. Um, a website coming. We are we're we're gonna have a website coming. Check out all the episodes if you guys are obviously new listeners. Um, Please do. Yeah, check out some of the the episodes. What have been some of your favorite? Um, liter- okay, actually, I was telling my um, Tell them. the teacher, my teacher mentor's teacher partner, if you will, um, about. The episode that you did with your brother, I love that episode so much. It was like 10th century Japanese art or something. And just yeah. like the conversations, like where it goes to and like the insights. And it's all very relevant and timely, if you will, and like still in the present. But um, using so much of the past to kind of inform how we view the present, which I think is so valuable and important for everyone to consider, yeah. if you will. So definitely go and listen to them all. Well, I am Misha Maseka, and the uh, winter-stripped bare tree to my palm tree on a beach. (laughs) I'm practicing. You know, it's all about that process in rehearsal. Janine Morgan. Is Janine Morgan, (laughs) yes. Um, Until you hear from us next time, Janine, this has been fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye.